and the, the lights are bright up here. Everything is, is different. And um, <laughs> well, I'm really glad to be here, and uh, I just uh, want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I, I was a pastor up in Mesa, Arizona, for uh, same church for 25 years, Word of Grace. And before that, my wife and I, in 1977, drove every weekend down here to Oracle for a year to get this church started. And there was a small group of people here who were, were interested in, in starting a church, and we, I was part of a church up in, up in Phoenix. And uh, so we came down here, we commuted every day for a year, drove back and forth, coming down here on, on Friday and, and then leaving on Sunday evening after our Sunday evening service. <clears throat> so, so anyway, um, my wife and I, we just celebrated a year ago, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Do I look that old? Some of you look that old. <laughs> and we have, we have three children, and uh, we have uh, nine grandchildren. And uh, my, uh, my oldest son, um, he, he just yesterday, he, he's been in Southern California for 25 years. He, he is the owner and leader of a, of a very large national and now international ministry called the Barna Group. And he's written a number of books and he is relocated. And he's just yesterday, he moved to Texas from California. Yeah, and my, my wife said, I can't believe we had one of our children living in Texas. You know, <clears throat> and uh, anyway, he's got three three kids, and the reason he moved to Texas is because we lost his wife, his his dear wife, our daughter-in-law. He lost her 18 months ago to brain cancer, and it has been family upheaval. So he he decided they lived in Ventura. It's a small city. They have he had so many memories there, and uh, he he just wanted to re relocate and restart. My daughter, her husband, they live in, De in Denver. Uh, so we just have kind of short weekend drives from Phoenix to Dallas and Denver. Um, anyway, they've got, three, they've got four kids, and uh, her oldest just graduated from high school. They're both in education, both my daughter and her, her husband. My youngest, my youngest son, Matt, uh, he is uh, in, right now, he's in Vietnam. And uh, I told him the war was, was over there uh, like decades ago. What are you doing there? Anyway, he's there with the Navy. He's in the Navy. He's been in the Navy uh, for 15 years. And he plays the trumpet in the Navy band. He's got a really dangerous job. And um, I'm going to talk more about him in the message today. And uh, anyway, that's kind of the story of my life. And I, I left my church 15 years ago. People say... Uh, People say, why, why did you leave the church? I, I, could, I couldn't take it anymore. Anyway, <laughs> and now I, I get to come uh, to places like Oracle that nobody's ever heard of um, and, uh, and share God's word, and, and, I, and I don't have to deal with you people tomorrow. <clears throat> How many of you have to deal with you people tomorrow? All right, so, uh, you know, things have changed. 
you know, I had a friend of from my, mine. He was he was a pastor of a big church in uh, Columbia, Missouri, and then he had a he had a personal crash, and he was out of the ministry. He told me this story when he turned forty. It was a big church. He he got Santa Claus sacks full of uh, birthday cards, and his staff you know had kind of arranged that. And the, the mail carrier wanted to know what's going on here. And uh, the next year, when he turned 41, he didn't get one card, and because uh, it was it was a really traumatic time for him. And then he just was out of the ministry for years, and then he came back. You know, he's he's doing some amazing things. We've worked together on some really amazing things, building some bridges with Catholic leaders. And uh, and he said he said <laughs> he said to me he said, Gary he said, um, when did we all turn the lights off during worship? Isn't it? It's kind of dark in here, right? Um, I thought you'd think that was funny, but it wasn't. So, all right. So let, let's let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this time, Lord, for this wonderful congregation, for James and and Shauna, who have, who for so many years have devoted themselves to this church, and Lord, just the the way it, the the ministry has been expanding here and the, and the support they receive. It's just wonderful to see all these people here in this early service. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless them on their sabbatical. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless us right here and right now as we share your word. So, <clears throat> today I want to talk about, say this with me, the sacred art of letting go. How many of you have had a hard time letting something go? In, at least once in your life, you know, you say, I got to put this behind me, but I, I just don't know how to do it. Well, let me talk about myself here. Um, I, I, was, I was really angry. I've, I've had some anger issues. I'm intense. And uh, I was angry with my wife. And um, I couldn't tell you what I was angry about. Uh, I just was really angry, and I called my friend Al Els, who has been, this was in, in the evening, we, we had some disagreement about something. I called my friend Al Els, who's a counselor, and he's one of my best friends. He's really helped me deal with life, ministry, and myself. And uh, I called him up in the evening, and, and I said, Al, we're just really troubled here. And he, he didn't live too far away, and he said, why don't you guys just come over and we'll talk? It's amazing. I mean, I mean, he did that as a friend, not as a professional. And, and so we sat down in his front room. I can still kind of remember where each of us was sitting. And, and my wife's kind of quiet. You know, I, I actually get paid to talk. And uh, I, I, so I had, I had notes and an outline and bullet points and fill in the blanks. And uh, Marilyn didn't say much. And then Al, Al said to me, you know, we were talking about what the issue was, and he could see I was really upset. And so, <clears throat> so Al said to me, um, why, don't, why don't we just step outside? I, I, I just need to talk to you man to man. And I knew I was in trouble. Um, how, many, how many of you have had family conflict at least once? You know, how many of you have had like a family fight on the way to church? In the car on the way to church, how many this morning had a family fight in the car on the way to church? Did you know that pastors sometimes have family fights in the car on the way to church? And then we put on our pastoral best 
and say, praise the Lord, I'm doing just fine. So, so anyway, Al uh, took me outside and uh, he got kind of in my face. That's, that's the way he kind of, you know, he's very gentle, but he kind of got really close to me, made me feel kind of uncomfortable. I'll never forget the moment. And he reached down, he put his hand on my chest. I'm going, Al, it's okay. Anyway, he put his hand on my chest and he said to me, brother, you just have to let this go. And inside of me, you know, I just, I cringed. And I just, you know, it was one of those things where I knew he was right. But, you know, it's just so hard to let it go. You know, you think that if you can fix the other person or you can make that problem go away, that it'll be okay. But how many of you have found that you can't fix that person and you can't make the problem go away? So what are you going to do? You're going to let it rule your life? It'll just take over for Jesus. That thing, that situation will become Lord of your life. And so I just, I let it go. And everything was fine. My wife was happy. She didn't need an explanation. And I, to this day, I mean, this happened some time ago, but it was just one of those, uh, one of those like um, watershed moments in my life. So this is what I've come to call. <clears throat> this is what I've come to call the sacred art of letting go. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm just wrestling with the, the idea of, of writing a book on this. I've, I've written a number of books, but not for a long time. Anyway, it is, I believe, perhaps, this is the most important, it could be the most important thing that we can learn in life. And I'm gonna show you some scriptures today how, how this, is, this is a constant challenge for us because there are always things that are interrupting our lives, things that are bringing us distress, pain, uh, conflict, and this, this is sort of at the very heart of how to live every moment of every day. And I, as, as uh, you know, I've, I've grown older, um, I, I look back on my life, I wish I had practiced this more because, you know, when you can't let it go, you make yourself miserable, and guess what? You make your friends and family miserable. You're so quiet, like you have no idea what I'm talking about. So anyway, it is, it's the essence of faith when you say, I, I let this go. You're really, you're really saying, I'm not in control, I'm gonna trust God. It is uh, perhaps the most important thing we can learn in life. It's the essence of faith, ruthless trust in God. It's embedded in the principal symbol of the Christian faith, the cross. We have a cross behind us. We have a cross on the screen. Some of you are probably wearing crosses. The cross is not just an emblem of Jesus dying for our sins. It is also an emblem of how we live our lives. What did Jesus say to his disciples uh, when he asked them to follow him? He says, take up your cross. See, that's not the cross of salvation, the cross that Jesus died on. What is the cross? It's the burdens of life and being able, with the help of God, to bear those burdens in a godly, Christ-like way. So people wear the cross. I mean, it's an, it is an image of death. I, you know, I've often thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to get a necklace that has a little guillotine. You know, a little, and it's, it's kind of cool, it operates, and what is that? It's a guillotine, that's, you know, that's what they used to use to cut 
people's heads off. You know, you say, well, that's disgusting. Well, what's that? It was one of the, a guillotine is actually, it's, it's, not, it's never pleasant to die, but it was just an instant thing. The cross was designed to torture you as you died. So as much as anything else, the cross is about letting go. It was for Jesus, and it should be for us. So Jesus is our example. <clears throat> when he let go, we can, uh, there we go, he let go, and you can follow me with your notes. When he let go, when he was born, when God became flesh, Jesus let go when he became flesh. Look at this verse. Philippians chapter two, your attitude. Is that a good word to start with? <laughs> your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Okay, now this is gonna talk about something very specific, same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be, what? Grasped. What is the opposite of grasping something? Letting go. All right, so he didn't consider equality with God, you know. And when we have something that we can't let go of, it, it's about how we have the right for this not to happen to us. You know, I I don't deserve this, and Jesus didn't deserve anything. He had the right to be God. He was God. He had all the rights in the world, but he didn't consider it something to be grasped. But instead, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. <clears throat> have, you ever, have you ever said this? Man, this situation is killing me. Good. That's a really good thing <laughs> because it just takes away from you the things that sort of are not really good in your life. It, it's humbling. My son, David, he lost his wife. And, and he said at Christ, this last Christmas, we were together with him and his family and we were sitting around the table. And he said, this has is, this is shaken my faith to the core you know, my, all these existential ideas about faith and healing and why this happens and why doesn't it happen. And my faith has been shaken. And he said, and yet, ironically, I've never had more faith. I've been deepened in my relationship with God. So Jesus let it go when he was born, when he became flesh, okay? Secondly, he let it go when he died. 1 Peter 2, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. <clears throat> this, this is one of the most neglected passages in the Bible. You don't get a lot of sermons on this because don't, we don't want to think about this kind of stuff. All right, But the fact is that this is at the heart of, of the cross. It's the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So 1 Peter chapter 2, but how is it, <clears throat> Peter's writing, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing something wrong and endure it? 
How is that to your credit? Now, you know, he's talking about slaves and masters, but when you're corrected, you know, and you, and you take it really well, uh, you think to yourself, well, Jesus is really helping me to be a good person. But this Bible verse is really saying that's the least you can do. Um, I, was, I was driving to, uh, I had a meeting with some other pastors across Phoenix, and I was late. I've always, I'm always late. You know, it's a curse on my life. I'm always late. I had a little red sports car. It was really fast, and I, I missed my exit. And then I, so I knew I had to get off at the next exit on the freeway, and I got off. As I got off the exit, you know, it, I, it, it was a, a, it just, the car was easy to turn at a high rate of speed. And um, so, you know, I, I didn't stop at the main street. I just kind of went around the corner. And no sooner had I done that and I saw the red and blue lights in my mirror. <clears throat> you know, and what, what happens when you see that? If you just run through your mind, you, all the bullet points that you need to share with this guy to explain to him why you did what you did or why you didn't do what you did, you know. So he pulls me over, and so what, what, does, what, what, are the, what does the police officer ask you? Do you know what you did? And man of God, someone who Jesus loves, and I, Jesus is working in my life, he says to me, do you know what you did, sir? And I said, no. <laughs> What's wrong with us? You know, it's like, you just, there's something in you that just, you just can't take responsibility. Um, my my, my uh, son-in-law, he decided, they have four children, he decided there's a fifth child in the house that they've never seen. And that child has a name, not me. Not me did it. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's like when God said to Adam, did you eat from that tree? What's the simple answer? Yeah. <clears throat> well, no, the, the woman she gave me, she gave this. It's complicated, God. You know, so it's really hard for us just to let it go. So listen to this. Uh, if, if, how is it to your credit if you, you know, you're corrected or you've done something you shouldn't do uh, or maybe you've mostly done, some, done something you should do, but there's been a little problem with it, and, and, uh, and someone corrects you or challenges you, and you get defensive, uh, or now, now because you're a Christian, you say, yeah, you're right, my bad. And you, you feel like Jesus is working in your life. The Bible says that's the least you can do. And then he says, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. <clears throat> to this you were called. I, I, I'm getting a little feedback, and I don't know when, when I stand in front of this, if you guys could adjust that just a little bit. Anyway, if, if this is commendable before God, to this you were called. Okay, so what, what is your calling in life? In this passage, your calling in life is to respond the way Jesus responded to difficult situations. That's your calling. 
I mean, to me, this is just so overwhelming. It just takes us out of the, you know, the church world and into our own world in the car, on the way to church, on the way home this afternoon with our family, with all the comp complexities and difficulties and conflicts in the family. I can tell you, when you lose someone that's in the middle of your family, I wrote a book about grief called My Companion Through Grief, but I had never experienced what we've experienced over the last two years. Jill was ill for 41 months. And it's her death is like, like a, hand, a hand grenade in the family. And it just challenges, you know, those things challenge everybody, their relationships with each other. Why, is, why are they doing this? Why are they not doing that? I mean, it has really been painful. My wife has said, at times I feel like I've lost my son. And maybe some of you have gone through the same thing and you cannot really fully explain it to others. But this passage is telling us that when it says, um, when you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. He had every right to be very upset, okay? But when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats instead. This is one of the most beautiful and impossible things in the Bible. He instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Can't you feel those words in there? He, he let, let it go. I can't do anything about this. If God doesn't do something about this, I'm gonna have to learn how to live with this, to face this. He left us an example, and the example is so simple. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is the kind of life, this is from the message, this is the kind of life that you've been invited into. You're called to this. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence. And I, I just love this translation. Say this with me, content to let God set things right. You know this is the secret to happiness, but it's so hard to do. It's just so hard to do because God needs you to fix that situation. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. It's the old saying, let go and finish that sentence. Let go and let God, all right? Let go, and yet the sacred art of letting go is not the same as giving up. This is where we kind of lose it. I'm not gonna be a doormat. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna fight my way through this. You know, letting go is not the same as giving up. You know, you're not gonna give up. Yet the sacred art of letting go is not the same as giving up. Instead, it's the art of giving in, realizing that as much as you'd like to, uh, to do something about a situation that's driving you crazy or hurting you deeply, you realize you are helpless. 
Yet it's that moment of helplessness that has the potential to set you free and to change you. Simply stated, simply stated, you're not in control, God is. You're not in, you're not in control of, of anything in your life. It, there's a Bible verse, in him we live and move and have our being. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? You can lie, okay? As you squeeze the toothpaste on the toothbrush, I do it this way, I'm left-handed. As you squeeze the toothpaste on the toothbrush, did you pause and say, thank you, God, for this toothpaste. And I just pray that you'll help me brush my teeth. No one ever does that, right? Unless you have a stroke. Then every day when you brush your teeth is a prayer to God. Because you really are not in control. I'm, I'm, you know, I I don't look it, but I'm in my 70s now. They're just things that are, they're just things that are just breaking down. You know, I've got mileage on everything in my body. You know, when you get older, your veins, they grow outside your body. I got rivers. I can put my finger on it, and the river stops, and I pull my finger up, and the blood flows back into the Amazon basin. You know, so, uh, and also when you, as you get older, did you notice you get shorter? I'm shorter than I was when I, but the irony is that it's harder to touch the floor. You're closer to the floor, but it's harder to touch it. So when Jesus gave his life on the cross, he let go. Before his crucifixion, crucifixion, he begged the Father to change the course of his life, and God said, no. Jesus said, okay. He did what he could. The rest was up to God. He embraced the sacred art of letting go. In fact, Jesus affirmed and established this sacred art as Peter tells us, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. It couldn't be clearer, it couldn't be simpler, it couldn't be more difficult. How many of you are raising children, or you've raised children, or you've seen children? Okay, everybody, right? How many of you have said, how many, when you're raising your children, how many of you have said, just say okay? Or just say to your brother, you're sorry. I, I don't know what it is, but I think children learn from the womb that if you say okay or if you give in, you will die. You will surely die. Well, you know, you really will. It's taking up your cross. You've got to die to yourself and the power in you. So my... my um, my daughter and her husband, you know, they got four kids. They had, they're two years apart, so they figured out, they realized they had changed diapers without a break for like something like eight years. And it was, I, I did, I, I added, I tried to add up how many diapers that was, and it was tens of thousands. And then these kids get older, and, and uh, you know, it's, I, I, by the way, as a parent, now a grandparent, I, de- I decided that there's a verse in the Bible that has to do with grandchildren. <clears throat> um, 
Judgment is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. <laughs> so your kids, they finally realize, like my daughter changing diapers for eight years and her husband, and you know how it changes their relationship of husbands and wives and, and how much the kids just sucking out of you and um, and, and, you know, so, and so, and it's just so easy. Kids could, what's, why, why do they just not obey? And I hear my, I hear my daughter saying to her kids, now just, just say, okay, mommy. I, I had a guy on my staff some years ago. He's a college grad. He was leading ministry in our church. He and his wife had been married for years. She was educated. Uh, they had children. And he was just really opposed to something that we had decided to do. And <clears throat> I remember sitting him down in my office and saying, bro, just, <laughs> just let this go. <laughs> you know, and I said, I said to him, bro, just, just say okay, man. Just <laughs> let's move on. And, uh, and in the, here's, here's what he said to me. You can do whatever you want. You're the boss. So I did. I, I let him go. <laughs> and we, we become, he's pastoring a church in Phoenix now. And he's, I've spoken to his church several times. We're still friends. And he, you know, grieves that, you know, he just couldn't let go. You know, it was like this was the most important thing in the world. And, uh, and what all we do is make ourselves miserable and we make other people around us, we, we bring them in to what we're feeling. You're not gonna believe this. I, I know, I, I know because there, were, there was a fallout from my staff as a result of this. And there were other people that left staff and I knew that he was bearing his burden and nobody could believe that we did what we did. So what you do is you get, you get to bless, you get to bless your friends and family with with anger, and dismay. Hallelujah. So uh, let's put let's put this up here. Just just say say that with me. Just say come on say it with me. Just say okay. Now turn to the person next to you and say to them, just say okay. Some of you are going to say this before the day is over, not in church, and you're going to get a reaction from that other adult in your life. I'd, I've shared this message in a, a number of churches. It's, it's a life message for me. I haven't mastered it, but it's a life message. And so I, I you know, I was in a church about this size, and you know, and I was preaching on this and. Somebody, there was a, a man and a woman sitting. I'll never, never forget, right here, about third row, fourth row. And, and I said, you know, just say okay. And so everybody was saying, just like you did, I'll just say okay. And then I, I heard a, the guy over here say, I already said it. <laughs> he didn't even know the woman who was sitting a chair or two away. And she just, maybe he didn't hear her, you know, men don't hear women. You know, and so maybe she said it twice and, and he, I heard real loud, I already said it. <laughs> you 
You know, I, I don't know, I, I don't think people say enough what, what the apostles, they don't quote this Bible verse enough. From Romans chapter seven, Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The things I wanna do, I don't do, and the things that I don't wanna do, those are the very things I do. I mean, we live with that, and then we kind of blame others for, for the way we are or what we're feeling. And this is about the cross. We're not just talking about psychology. This is talking about coming to the cross. My, my good friend Al Ells, uh, who uh, introduced me to this let it go nonsense, um, <laughs> he, he likes to say the first person to the cross wins. Think about that. Just say okay. <clears throat> so... Uh, just, just like my grand, grandkids, you know, people say, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but. You finish the sentence, what, what, what bazillion righteous reasons do you have for hanging on? And not one of them helps a lick. In fact, every reason you have for holding on just sustains your misery. Your relentless reasons make others around you miserable too. Uh, the Apostle Paul um, the Apostle Paul <clears throat> learned the sacred art of letting go. In Philippians chapter 4, verse, verses 11 to 13, I have learned to be content. This isn't something that comes magically to every human being. <laughs> uh, Do you ever say to your kids, just be happy with what you got, you know? I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's, that's kind of a cool statement, actually. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. My brother was a public school teacher. He taught middle school science, and, you know, and he, uh, he, he made a big sign. <clears throat> he made a po big banner that he put up at the front of the room, and he said, whatever means teacher wins. Because the kids, they, what would they say? Whatever, okay? So <clears throat> I've learned to be content. I've learned the secret of being content in any, it's a secret, you know? It's just not widely known. Uh, and people don't wanna do this. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And say the rest with me. So what did Jesus do? He turned it over to the heavenly father. He didn't speak up. He didn't react. And what, what does Paul tell us here? Say the last section with me. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Matthew chapter six, verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying <clears throat> add a single hour to your life? Actually, by worrying, you take hours off your life. <laughs> you know, we're just, you know, our, we are fallen people. Even though Jesus has saved us, we're just fallen people. And we just all have all this, this junk that we take with us all the way to heaven. <laughs> so, yes, can any one of you, being, by being anxious, by hanging on, by refusing to let go, change one thing about your present or your future? Yes, you can change your world. There are some things you can do, should do, but what if you can't? 
Have you ever heard this? This uh, it's, it's called, I think it's the, the contentment prayer. Well, I can't remember the well-known serenity prayer. Change what you can, let go of what you can't, and learn the difference. I mean, some people have that hanging in their kitchen, you know, or in their dining room, or in their bedroom. <clears throat> so I want to tell you another family story. So my, my son, Matt, is in the Navy. And uh, when he was growing up, I mean, he and I have very opposite personalities. I'm, he's more like his mom. Um, I'm, I'm aggressive, and he's passive aggressive. And he had one little Bible verse of his own that he, oh, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard this across the course of 15, 18 years. Dad, it's no big deal. <clears throat> when you're a dad and you bring something up and you're kind of irked about it, is it a big deal? Dad, I mean, I heard this over and over. And I, it, was, it was driving me crazy, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I went and talked to my friend Al Els. We had breakfast together. I was telling him about it. He reached all the way across the table, put his hand on my chest. <laughs> what do you think he said to me? Let it go. Now, you know, the conversation that I had with my wife, you know, that's, we're together for 50 years, you know, it, stuff comes up. <laughs> but, but I have to tell you that with my son, Matt, Matt uh, Al said, with your different personalities, the more you put pressure on him, the more he's going to distance himself from you. You have to let it go. And, you know, adolescence is not just about kids struggling with who they are in this hormonal time of their life. It's parents struggling with who they are with these kids who are hormonal. It's like we go through adolescence too. And I, I, I wish I could say this about everything in my life, but I let it go. I just changed the way I dealt with Matt. And I just decided, you know, God's gonna have to take care of him. I can't fix him. He's at a point in his life. You know, and, and you know, it's just, it's, it's so frustrating trying to fix people. And the, the thing is that if you do fix them, if you do fix them, there are other people standing in line for you to fix. And they'll just bring you as much trouble, maybe more trouble than the person that you just fixed. It's just the way life is. So, uh, so what, uh, what did Matt do? He married a woman that, that's more obsessive than I am. And I hear him saying, Kate, it's no big deal. So now he's, he married a woman that just, everything is a big deal. And he joined the United States Navy. How many of you guys have, have served? You're a veteran, you've served. Come on, we want to celebrate you. How many of you, all right. <laughs> guys and gals. And so how, how many of you tried this? You know, your sergeant or your commanding officer said to you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you said, sir, that's no big deal. So this is how God works. I don't have to fix Matt. I have the whole United States Navy working on Matt. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But as long as I work on it, it just gives him pain and it gives me pain. God has a way to deal with the people in your life. Maybe not the way you would. 
So, uh, I want to wrap this up by talking about something that is, is just profound. So, the Sabbath. I want to talk about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, and, and let me just say this. The Sabbath is really the sacred art of letting go. Okay? So let me read this. The Sabbath was originally designed as a weekly discipline to remind God's people that he's in control of all their work, that they have to trust him and not their own efforts to grow crops, raise livestock, make money, even to relate properly to their families. It wasn't just about resting, taking a day off to watch football and drinking a Bud Light, okay? Uh, Taking a day off in a busy, stressful week. It was about reminding yourself that everything in your life is in the hands of God, even your spiritual life and salvation. The Sabbath, I have this on the, on the screen and, and in your notes, the Sabbath was to be a weekly discipline of letting go of your own efforts and instead trusting God. Now, people say, well, why don't we keep, you know, that's the fourth, command, fourth commandment, why don't we keep Keep this fourth commandment. <clears throat> you know, does that it, does it not apply anymore? What what's up with that? There are ten commandments, and this one doesn't apply. It totally applies, but not in the sense of just not mowing the grass on Sunday. So the, here's the command, the structure of the commandments. The first three commandments are about God. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Thou shalt not make graven idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The fourth commandment is about keeping the Sabbath. And then are, there are six more commandments about life, family, behaviors, money. So what, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is about taking your relationship with God and bringing it into every area of your life. Now, you can do it once a week, but I'm here to tell you that's not enough. You have to enter the Sabbath in every moment of your life. Um, there, there is, I, I, there's a book that I, I saw the title, The Sacrament of the Moment. Every moment is a chance to say God's in control. Um, and uh, in, in the New Testament, Hebrews, in Hebrews it says this, it says, there remains a rest for the people of God. What did, you, what did Jesus say? Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he's not just talking about a tough job. He's talking about life. And, and all the things that we bear, the burdens that we bear in life. And he says, come to me, and, and, and if, you know, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking to Jewish people. They know what that means. He's talking about the Sabbath. And so in the book of Hebrews, which compares the Old Testament with the New Testament, that's the theme, the writer says, there remains a rest for the people of God. And then he says, strive therefore to enter that rest. It's like, what, what, do, you, what do you call it? A, you know, postal worker, you know, what do you call it? There's a word for that, you know, the two words. That we're gonna, uh, an oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. Strive to enter that rest. And I like to say, I really totally understand that because it's the hardest, this is the hardest thing in life to do. You have to, to let go. It is just so freaking hard, you know? And uh, so, 
The purpose of the Sabbath can be seen in the sequence of the Ten Commandments. I think I have that in your notes. The Sabbath was to be a weekly reminder that our relationship with God has to penetrate every element of our lives. All right, look at Exodus chapter 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. Now, this is really interesting. The Sabbath is to be a sign and forever for the generations to come, okay, so that you may know that I'm Lord of your life who makes you holy. See, so this whole struggling, like it's Mary and Martha. Jesus says to Martha, 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 You know, when your mother calls your name twice or your dad, you're in trouble. And what's Martha doing? She's working and she's cooking and she's upset with Mary because she's not in there working and helping in the kitchen because they gotta fix a meal for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, he says, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things. In other words, all of her frenzy was a sign of a deeper thing going on in her soul. He's, and then Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part. Just sit with me. Let go of all the stuff that's controlling you and just sit with me. And strive, therefore. You know, it's so hard to come out of the kitchen when you just have it in your brain that you gotta do this. Or whatever it is that you gotta do. And it doesn't mean that you give up or that you get lazy. It just means you gotta just give it to God. Give it to God. It's not like saying, okay, you know, it's just, just say, okay, God, I can't make this change, all right? And so this will be a sign. So the Sabbath was first and above all to be a sign that God is in control, not just of our physical lives, but of our spiritual journey as well. Yahweh is the one who sanctifies us and makes us holy. We're saved by grace, not by our own efforts, and we're kept saved by grace, not by our own efforts. God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from his work. In the New Testament, when Jesus died on the cross, he cried, it is finished. It is finished. It is, if the work is done, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He did it all. Now look at Exodus chapter 31, verse 14. Observe the Sabbath, you know, this whole thing, the sacred art of letting go, observe it, okay, observe it, because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it, what's the penalty for not keeping the Sabbath? You, we gotta kill you. If you don't keep the Sabbath, we gotta kill you. Okay, now, here's, here's my... Uh, a simple application, okay? Let's drop down here to my simple application. If you don't let it go and trust God, it'll just kill you. Let's say that together. If you don't let it go and trust God, it'll just kill you. And why don't we, why don't we personalize this? Why don't we stand together here? Can you, can you stand? <clears throat> When the, when the musicians come on the platform, it's a statement, you're done, bro. Okay, 
I keep hearing a drum. Where is that drum? When I, you guys got a drum going in there, and I don't see the drum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let it go, man. <laughs> so let, let's make this personal, okay? If I don't let it go and trust God, it'll just kill me. So say that with me. If I don't let it go and trust God, it will just kill me. I have another whole page of notes, so you guys are going to be standing up here for a long time yet. I just want to share one more thing about forgiveness. When I say, if I say to you, what does it mean to forgive someone? What does that mean? Nobody can answer that question. The English word is like so obscure. Forgiveness. What, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. What does it mean? Jesus, Peter said, how many times must I forgive my brother, seven times, and Jesus said what? 70 times seven. And what, but forgive, what does it mean? You know, this, this, just, this is just so wonderful, okay? The Greek word, the Greek word that's translated forgive was an archery term. What, what, is, what do you do? You got all the tension, right? What do you do? Let it go. That's all the Greek. The Greek word simply means let it go. So how many times must I, Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, let it go. Seven times must I let it go seven times? Jesus says, no, you gotta let it go 470 times. Because letting go is not something that you do once and everything is fine. Sometimes you gotta do it over and over and over again. But if you don't, it'll just kill you. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Would you pray this prayer after me? Say this after me. Heavenly Father, the burdens in my life, I let them go. I'm gonna walk out of here today knowing that you're in control. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to be Lord of my life. You need to be Lord of my life. And give me the peace that passes all understanding. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.